1: What's up everybody it's me the one and only your boy who takes weeks and weeks off from pod strickland here where i belong the most draft strickland the best nicks draft pod that you'll find out of all three nicks draft pods that i've heard of uh just kidding chris i love you nicks film school draft film class uh shout out to chris percyainen um it's March Madness time, or yeah, today's actually March. I'm sorry, this has been a very hectic last week for me at work, so I didn't even realize today was March.
2: Before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram, so please check that out. Give us a follow. That is at the thestrick.land on Instagram. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also is dropping new merchandise. So please be on the lookout for that. We got merch that dropped last week. We should have merch dropping sometime this week. And there should be even one more drop after that. So keep your eye out on that. Peruse through the Strickland store and uh, see what catches your eye. Finally, the Strickland has a Patreon uh you can subscribe to it there are a number of different tiers there's a six star tier that gets you access to pod strickland this pod that i host every friday with prez you also get access to the strickland mailbag that comes out every week hosted by andrew Steele, aka doug aka the doug bag along with dallas amico you also get access to the strickland discord where the conversation never quite stops there are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co hosting a podcast alongside yours. Truly, one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started.
1: It's officially March Madness time. I don't have my predictions yet, but I am paying attention to a lot of prospects. It's a weird time in the world of the NBA draft. It feels like lots and lots of guys are kind of, we're at the point where it's like the slog of the college season. There's, There's players whose flaws are being exposed and they've been discussed in circles and circles and circles and now everybody's suspicious and wondering about things and The Knicks are, as we speak, whooping the ass of the Brooklyn Nets. And apparently they're never going to lose again. So I don't even know if we'll have a pick short of the 25th at this rate. So I'm going to have to adjust who I expect to even be on this team if we pick anybody from this draft. Because, as always, there's a possibility of trading out like we did last year. So to help me navigate one particular realm of draft prospect, the realm which you may have heard of the ACC. I have none other than Brian, who's been on this pod before. Brian, what's your handle again? I I should have it written down, but I forgot.
0: I think you're on mute. Uh, off to a, uh, an incredible start. Uh, yeah. At B underscore bird. I can, uh, I'll change my, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll fill it in here and we'll, uh, uh at, to the um to the, the screen here but yeah at b b-g-e-i-s uh underscore bird uh, it's a weird handle. I made it when I was in college. I didn't really know what Twitter was gonna be. Um and now I kinda like it. So I'm rolling with it. But yeah, it's been it's hard to believe it's March. Um I was at the Duke State game uh last night to see uh you know Duke finish off an undefeated Uh, home record this year against, uh, you know, capping it off against NC State and Jaqueline smith And, uh, you know, ACC tournament right around the corner. And uh, obviously March Madness not too far after that. I've really enjoyed this season, even though it's been kind of weird for the ACC, which is to say hasn't been uh, maybe the best year in the league. But um, I'm also, like, I don't know about you, but this has definitely shifted in the last couple of years where April through June, I think, has become my favorite time of the basketball calendar because the playoffs start like college is over, but there's still a lot of like take to go through, and you have time to do it leading up to the draft so you can catch up on, you know, uh, overtime elite, you catch up on, you know, G League, catch up on, you know, college prospects you haven't seen. And I'm so like, uh, in in deep with the ACC, that I really like having that time to catch up on prospects that maybe you've only seen two or three games of so far this season that are outside of the league, and um, and it's just nice to have like less live inventory going on. Plus, every of you know, the playoffs are happening, and like that's just like the best part of sports, <laughs> you know, the NBA playoffs. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm kind of ready to get to uh, early early April here now.
1: I I totally get that. And and for those of you who don't know, Brian, like he alluded to, does focus on and spend a ton of time on the ACC. Um, You'll see great stuff written for the official ACC sports account from him. Um, I'm sure there's a zillion other sites that he writes for on the ACC, on the Hornets, on other NBA and college players. Um, There's some really good detailed stuff. So if you don't follow Brian on Twitter, please do. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, if if your focus – it's like with me and the Knicks. Like, I I wish I had more time to watch other teams, and I'll still try to. Like, my Pod Strickland co-host, Schwinn, is a maniac, and he consistently finds time to watch other teams he likes, like the Kings and the Warriors and stuff, and I'm just like – Yo, I'm too old and washed up to do that shit, right? I'll do it on the weekend. I might be <laughs> bored in the morning and like replay a game yeah. that was part like like I replayed part of that yeah. insane, huh. uh, yeah, 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 Kings where the Clippers total score was like a thousand or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the that game was happening while I was trying to like finish up, like uh, you know, like Miami versus Clemson film, and I was like, what am I? doing like what like, why am i i'm like yeah trying to you know trudge through like a 70 to 65 acc game while yeah the you know malik monk's going for 45 and it's like oh i don't i'm maybe making a poor choice here but um i really care about covering the league i try to you know one scout prospects uh from the league as much as possible but i try to be pretty in deep in depth with like Uh, mapping playbooks with teams in the league as much as possible so every season i watch every duke game and i clip every duke game i clip every state game i clip every virginia game and i do probably most wake forest most unc a lot of virginia tech and depending on whom else is good whether it be pittsburgh miami clemson this year but notre dame previous years or louisville and um, I basically try to, like, map out everyone's playbook uh, throughout the course of the season, which is, like, a labor of love. So, yes, I will be looking forward to, uh, like, watching NBA playoff basketball where it's just, like, on. And I'm not taking notes furiously to, like, you know, time stamp stuff so I can go back and, you know, and clip the highlight or whatever. So, um, but, yeah, uh, if you like ACC coverage, I've been covering – Virginia this season for streaking the lawn, which is the SB Nation site. And I've been doing a lot of stuff at 24-7 sports with Duke, NC State, and uh, in Wake Forest.
1: Speaking of Wake Forest, I have to start our substantive discussion with a very important question for me and longtime Draft Strickland listeners who <laughs> f- foolishly heed my every advice and whim. Uh, why has the NBA conspired to not allow my son, Alondis Williams, to flourish (laughs) on a real roster. He's right now wasting away in (laughs) Long Island. I would not wish that on my worst enemy. (laughs) Damn, he can't can't get
0: on the rebuilding Brooklyn. They got one person who could dribble the ball. He's gotta get a call up before the end of the season, man. Like what are we doing? Look, this, this is a conspiracy that cl- clearly runs all the way up to the tops of the the very tops of the NBA. Um and yeah, we gotta get like Alonis is a six foot five bulldozer that gets to the rim whenever he wants to. Like we should let's like there's about to be some Garbo basketball here down the stretch. Like the final month of the NBA regular season uh, it's maybe not as like pronounced as it was a couple years ago when they once they like flattened out lottery odds, but like we're about to get to some silly games here between some bad teams for the playoff start too. So like, yeah, can we get Alanis, uh, You know, let's get some spread pick and roll for for Alanis Williams against an NBA defense. I'd love to see it.
1: This would never happen in David Stern's NBA. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> as usual, as usual, Alanda's Williams. Jokes aside. I mean, we'll see what happens, but inevitably, there's just like I got to be a little more strict with myself about older prospects. That's just what always fucking happens yeah, every year. Like yeah. I'm just like, oh, you know, yeah. some there's always some ball handling twenty two year old or twenty three year old who makes me fucking yeah. have like starry anime eyes at their handle, and and then I'm like, oh yeah, most most twenty two year olds in the NBA could probably do that versus other other <laughs> college players. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I do think, and this is maybe something to pay attention to a little bit more with Wake going forward. Um, I think you know I know Tyree Appleby's is not like a real prospect necessarily for them, especially because like he's he's a, he's a really old. I mean, if he was like nineteen doing this stuff, it'd be one thing. But um, Wake is consistently like a top twenty, top twenty-five offense now it's a really creative team offensively. And so just like, look, I think what Alanis was doing was like legit. I don't think it was like necessarily sure. by the system, but like the context was good for him last year too. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As far as like, he, he was in a, he was in a great spot. Great
1: system. Um, great. With, with Jake and the coach. And yeah, They had a, it, were, yeah,
0: it, were, it's a really good staff and um, they're really creative offensively. And um they just did great. They they empowered Jake and Alondis and put like the right pieces around those guys for them to really like excel last season.
1: Nice. I just realized I fucking didn't set my fantasy basketball roster. <laughs> uh, good thing the playoffs begin next week. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I have I have games in the standings to spare. I'm tied for first. Um. Anyway, all right, cool. So uh, there's a couple of ACC guys. Uh none of them on Wake Forest who know who, who I'm no. interested in this year. Um But
0: Bobby clinton next year, maybe. Yeah. We'll talk, we can talk. We'll talk twelve months from now we'll be talking about Bobby clinton
1: Yeah, yeah, dude. I've I've heard about him for a while. He's like been on the yeah. on the radar. He's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um come come for the Duke. Stay for stay for uh
0: the wake talk. Stay for the wake. <laughs> the Deeks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, the first guy I want to talk about, well, I didn't see the – this is actually perfect because I didn't – I forgot Duke was playing state yesterday. Um, so three guys from that game, Derek Whitehead, um, mm-hmm. Kyle Filipowski, known affectionately as Flip, and Flip. Turquavion Smith, known affectionately, at least to me, as Turk. And Turk. All three of those guys have been, I think from early on in the season, even when the Knicks were like blowing games in the last five minutes and shit like that, we kind of knew we would be somewhere between like 13 to 17. Like it was clear that we weren't going to be in like the Wemby sweep stakes, but we had mm-hmm. enough talent that should we stop fucking blowing leads, we'd be like in the middle of the first. And now with, these guys in like God mode or whatever, like you know. Now you're t- looking at a pick. Well, we don't even have our own pick. I shouldn't say that. We have Dallas's pick, so <laughs> that shit might end up being in the teens for all I know. Um, They're playing yeah, fucking yeah. Reggie Bullock at the four. Who knows what's going on there? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a bold strategy. We'll see if it works for them. Um Anyway, I bring that all up because <laughs> Derek Flip and Turk seem to have throughout the season vacillated. Derrick yeah. started out as like a top ten guy. Turk started out as a lotto guy, maybe some top tens, and
0: like mm-hmm. a lot of other
1: players, you know, this isn't unique to them. Like, there's other guys who inevitably rise every year, and some guys who fall a little bit. And they fell. Derrick in particular, he's had some struggles, some with injury. We can get we can get into how much is injury, how much is not. But like, the three of them are in the knicks range give or take all three of them have been mocked to the knicks at one point or another so i know people who are listening to this have probably you know it might not be their first time hearing about these guys but before we get into the particulars like how how
0: was how was the game the game was really like the duke state game was uh was fun last night it was a good crowd um like everyone there knew they were going for like the undefeated home record this year it was the so it was the 19th 19th time duke's done that you know john shire didn't it did it in year one replacing uh Shefsky, but good crowd and um you know i don't know how much we're gonna like talk about these guys but it was a big game for Derek lively um who's like you know really played strong down the stretch for duke and uh he didn't have a great shooting game but tyrese proctor um you know was really good defensively against Terquavion Smith and uh Proctor's been pretty awesome the last 6 8 weeks for uh, for the Blue Devils too but game was fun uh Duke is very kind to credential me for them so I've been lucky to for the last few years to get to see Jason Tatum up close I was there for the Zion Williamson show uh with RJ uh and Cam Reddish um I was there for Wendell Carter Jr., Marvin Bagley year, and getting to be up close with uh, Paolo Bancaro, Trevor Keels, uh, another Knicks legend in the making, and uh, AJ Griffin. Last year was 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 really really cool, and and Mark Williams too is now playing on a, the Hornets team I cover. So Duke is very cool to do that uh, to let me let me in the door there, and yeah, I don't take it for granted like. I, I know it's like it's like everyone makes fun of you. Know, everyone like takes shots at Duke or whatever. But um, everyone who works there is really nice, <laughs> and in Palo up close, especially is like you know I, that's it's pretty cool. Especially seeing how, like how those guys have sort of taken off uh, on the next level too. They don't make you
1: come in and like pledge fealty to JJ Redick or something. They they do not. They do not.
0: They do not. <laughs> uh, thankfully, they we are we are uh, uh, we are spurred that.
1: Nice. Although I will say, I uh, I gotta, I'm not gonna lie, I like J.J. Reddick's career turn into... He's cool uh, now,
0: man. He's cool. <laughs> not, not
1: only he's cool, but like, I actually learned stuff listening to him, which is not yeah.
0: true of pretty much most other NBA announcers. Uh, he also does a good job of, and shout out to him for, for doing this, like, he will shine light. Like, he does sort of send the ladder down a little bit. Mm-hmm, you know, like, mm-hmm. he's got a a platform with his own podcast and an ESPN and obviously like connected to like the Duke mafia, which is like one of the five families of basketball. And like, he's still, you know, I don't know. Like he, he still tries to help, you know, share stuff. Um, It doesn't just like, sort of like swipe people's ideas for his own. So I kind of respect that. And yeah, like he's got, he's like a good, like he's a very good and knowledgeable basketball mind. I saw him at several Duke games last season. Actually. I don't think he's been at any, uh, this year, though. He's got too many side hustles now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, he really does. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't blame him. Um, we can start and talk about who you mentioned, Derek Lively. Uh, he's, he's interesting because he came in as an extremely high recruit. Um, yeah. uh, depending on what recruiting service, maybe number one, maybe top five. Yeah. yeah. And uh, early on he, uh, you know, he's not the type to, he's not scoring a lot at Duke, right? He's not making, he's not facing, he's not doing Paolo Bancaro stuff or even Wendell Carter stuff. And Duke's offense is definitely not set up around getting him the ball, aside (laughs) from, uh, you know, the occasional lob pass and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a mix of like, is he not being assertive? How much of it is him? How much of it is the situation? How much is it that he's just really young? And there's other very good players on the team like flip who can, you can give the ball to, and they can get you a bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, How much of that is Duke's guard situation, kind of taking some time to iron itself out a little bit, some injuries yeah. and stuff like that. Um, But it seems like, For a while, Lively, who's for people who don't know, he's like seven foot one. His wingspan is seven foot eight, which is crazy. And for comparison, Mitchell Robinson's wingspan is seven foot four. So, yeah, (laughs) his wingspan is like comically long. Yeah. I want to see what his standing reach is because he does seem to be like a narrow kind of dude. But I'm sure it's still fucking whatever longer than.
0: He's not as like hulking as like Mark Williams. Like I gotta see both right. of those guys up close at Duke each of the last two seasons. And you know, lively is in, is like impossibly tall and long, but like, you know, Williams was sort of just like a you know was, you know, I mean he set the record for standing reach at the combine and definitely gave off sort of more of like a like sort of like true center. Right. Uh, in in terms of his like you know wingspan and you uh, you could drop his, him in like 1999 and he'd yeah. probably be fine. Hundred hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, yeah. So like, as far as like lively goes, like it was look he got hurt right before the start of the season, so he was trying to come back from that. Duke's guard play was like not where you would probably want it to be at the start of the year, and that probably could have been predictable. Like. They have a veteran guard in Jeremy Roach who's good and is playing well now, but, you know, Roach is like a, you know, he's like a good college guard. You know what I mean? And he's not like a pure breakdown guard, nor is he like a pure like table setter. And Tyrese Proctor was, you know, really took some time. I think he's really hit a stride now, but, you know, he's not a guy that generates a ton of rim pressure. He's another like pure like breakdown guard and, those guys were having trouble, I think, sort of like setting Lively up, even though I think they were like looking for him. It just wasn't really there. There was one game against Boston College in Durham, like in early December. I think it was their first conference game, or yeah, I think it was, where they started to empty the corner out and throw lobs to Lively. And that was the first game where you're like, okay, this is the blueprint for it. You know, <laughs> like this is it. And it, I mean, he, he got probably five or six lobs in that game, all with the corner empty, like all empty side ball screen action and Boston College had nothing for it. Um, and I just think ultimately there was this like dissonance between as you sort of laid out, the fact that he was the number one prospect according to some recruiting services. I think people expected him to come in and be like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was like, this guy isn't that. I mean, he is in a lot of ways though, he is, an, he is a really nice, like, modern five because he does all of the dirty work. He's an elite rim protector. He's really versatile guarding the pick and roll. He's not looking for the ball on offense except for when he dives or is, or is in the dunker spot. He's pretty good at setting screens. And even last night against State, you could see him kind of, like, angling his screens a little bit to help Roach and Proctor get downhill against uh, state's ice coverage and help those guys get to the middle um, of the floor. I thought that he was doing a nice job of that. Um, I will say this when lively was struggling and when he was having a guy like Ryan young, who's like a, you know, a decent college center playing over him at times early in the season, it didn't affect his play or like his spirit, I guess I should say. Like he was, he is, constant he is like constantly in communication when he's on the court when he's on the bench this is a guy if you care about this stuff which I think it has some value like he, he like publicly he was always in good spirits do you know what I mean like supporting his teammates and again like he's got the mentality from a communication standpoint to be an anchor like he is calling stuff out in a way that I do think is Notable c- compared to other Duke rim protectors that I've seen come through there in recent years, including and, Mark and Rule. notable
1: for his and notable for his yeah. age because he's a exactly. young
0: he's a freshman but he's a young freshman young freshman and again I'm telling you he talks like you I my this this my credential spot there is like pretty close to the goal that um uh that is like across from the the opposing bench so I I'm you know I see I've seen lively up close a lot this season. Um you talked about his length. He moves, he's like a really smooth mover. Like laterally he can switch out and guard. Um and he's incredibly quick off his feet, first and second jump. Like he's that he has that kind of quick twitch ability to get into the air. Um and his, like I think he's up to 5 blocks per 40 minutes this season, 13% block rate. And that's you know that that is that is improved. Like even as the competition has gotten better, like he's been blocking shots on a more frequent basis. And I actually asked Shire, but John Shire, about this after the game last night. Like, the scheme versatility that he's offering Duke it has been interesting. They've used him in every way so far this year. Often he's playing up at the level, but they have used him to switch out. They have played him in drop. They've had him hedge. They've had him blitz. And even last night against NC State, where they've got some dangerous pull-up shooters at the guard spots, including DeQuavion and Jarkel Joyner, he was like – I mean, he was playing to the level ball, kind of like, kind of not quite like a full hedge, but kind of like sticking with them like for one more dribble to sort of like maybe just swing yeah. or, uh, yeah. you know, hang in tough against. And so just like on the next level, like Lively's going to have to probably get like stronger if he wants to be a guy that can like play drop. You know, I mean, he's got like, I think he's got the height and the reach to do it. But I think that scheme versatility that he's offering along with the rim protection, along with the communication. And the fact that he's just willing to do the dirty work on offense. I think he's going to be like a really solid NBA center for a long time. I'm not saying this guy, like, I'm not like advocating, like, you know, get this guy back into the lottery or something like that. Get this guy in the garden.
1: That's what's saying. Yeah. I'm right. yeah
0: but, but I just think, like, I think he's going to be, like, I think his floor, because he can be a good defensive center. They can really go up and catch lobs. He just offers a discrete set of skills that's valuable at his, at his position.
1: Yeah, that's super fascinating to hear about his usage um because I'm not going to lie like I'm not a there's some people on on the internet who do amateur draft stuff and write draft stuff who are looking to make this their career and I salute these individuals <laughs> I'm not those people. I'm lazy with less time. So what I do <laughs> is it's always the very end of my draft cycle when I dedicate time to explicitly watch defense a lot like if i'm watching one a full game and giving it my all and i'm watching it specifically for one player like lively then i'll obviously watch him on both ends but like for me to check different games to see if the schemes are different and how they a guy gets used versus different opponents like that happens but that happens before the drafts for me that happens like after march madness certainly so so i just haven't gone that deep on his defense, other than seems to be getting a lot of box and Duke's defense seems to be good. Um, yeah. yeah. And that scheme versatility is just really notable. I mean, earlier in the season, Knicks fans griped a lot because Tibbs, Tibbs is at least with this Knicks team and the last few iterations of it, he doesn't really give a shit about scheme versatility, although he's, <laughs>
0: I love he's, Sims, man. Like, he, like from afar, I just he just he's just so amusing for these reasons. You know? He's
1: he really is like a mad scientist, and he, yeah. to to his credit, he finally has like <laughs> tweak. He's like, so the Knicks have you know they have Mitch and then they have Hartenstein and they have Sims, all who are yeah. different kinds of centers physically and in terms of their gifts and all that, and he's they're still mostly in traditional job coverage, but like he'll let Sims Sims isn't playing right now, but back when Mitch was hurt, Sims would fly up a little bit more and call a few more audibles and, um, and Hart would, wouldn't be as deep a drop, which for the Knicks counts as like scheme versatility. But we sometimes wonder as Knicks fans, like, man, if, if we weren't so dedicated to just drop and rim protection, like what could, someone like Sims who really can move his feet on the perimeter and is probably better at that than he is at rim protection at this stage. What could they do? So like yeah, yeah. you, but that's the thing Sims is somebody with an eight foot 10 standing reach. That's the same as Cam Reddish and a little bit longer than guys like RJ Barrett. It is not the guys with Derek Lively, Mitch Robinson type measurements who are, (laughs) Uh, flying around. Although I should say young Mitch. Young Mitch did fly around like that. Um, yeah. I mean, Tibbs didn't let him do it a lot, but when he want, when he called his own number on defense, he would definitely get out there and block three-pointers and stuff like that. So I guess it's not unheard of, but it's just... He just seems like such a bulletproof prospect because of... Like, it's not just oh, he's long and you're praying he'll get it in the NBA on yeah, defense. Like, yeah. he's demonstrating he can do job, he can switch. And the communication stuff, that is – that like, if the Knicks were looking for a center, like, that would be music to yeah. their ears because all they care about is, like, guys who can come in and not fuck around and just execute. And that seems mm-hmm. like what Shire has him doing. And then you add on top of that, like – Forget the offense. Forget the fact that Prez, in my like armchair whatever shooting analysis, thinks that if they let him shoot, he could make the shots. Yeah. He can rebound, <laughs> yeah. like he's a legit rebounder. Ten yes, percent offensive yeah. rebounds. Um, gets steals and deflections and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and is also a sneaky good passer. Like yeah. his
0: his short roll passing has been like. It's not it's not incredible, right? It's not like you're mm-hmm. not like you're watching Xavier Tillman short roll passing <laughs> for the 2020 draft, but like it's like enough to like keep the gears moving on offense, you know? Like he's made some nice passes in the in the in the short roll, like simple stuff, like you know, catches it in the pocket, um, you know, kick out to the weak side shooter or drop off to flip in the dunker spot for a finish. But it's like it's like he can kind of do it. That goes really uh, far. Yeah, it does no, it's it's huge. It means he's like maybe more playable. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? To like you, you might be able to play this guy um uh you know down the stretch of some games. And like, you know, we'll see where the jumper comes. Like it's something he's shown the ability to do in like off season stuff and practices or whatever, but you know, he missed another three badly last night, one to twelve. <laughs> At least it's something that's like a possibility, right? It's like right. I, I don't know if I like would bet or bank on the shot. But it doesn't really matter because, like, he's already giving you the like this discrete set of skills that's that is that has proven value. So it's like it's durability. like Walker Kessler. Yeah, Walker no, yeah. Walker
1: Kessler shot a lot in high school yeah. and in college, and he's yeah. not shooting at all, but nobody cares because he's an awesome defensive center.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think I just think lively. Like, I just think he has the ability just to like he'll never be a star, but can just like start in the NBA for a long time um because of again exactly what he's giving you on both sides of the court and like he doesn't need the ball to be willing to set screens either right you know like there's some there's some some centers and i i mean i guess i kind of get it that they're like you know they want to they want to feel the ball they want like a couple of like token post-ups per game You know, lively doesn't care like in fact he's fine without that so some um, young
1: centers especially skinny ones just don't know how to de- like Mitch yeah. it Mitch started setting screens for the first time last year and he was yeah. great at defense and great at dunking and stuff like that he just was terrible at setting screens until the end of last year like for a player like after the Mitch experience and I love Mitch he's getting 17 million a year and is worth way more than that but like now, when I check center prospects, I'm like, "Let me are they making contact here? How much are they slipping? Yeah. Like, are they yeah. switching the angles up? Like, what kind of screen craft are we talking here?" And real quick, before I forget, to just put a finer point on it, um, a while back, at the beginning of February, uh, I don't know if these numbers still hold up, but I did a Bart Torvik search, which is for people who don't know, that's like a this website that has lots of college individual and team analytics the stats and you can do all types of fun searches and queries and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was looking for guys who played 15 games or more uh freshmen or sophomores who have over 10 equal, 10% or more offensive rebound rate. Cause I find that anecdotally to be like the sign of a really good rebounder because defensive rebounds nowadays really depends on like, it doesn't always correlate with being a good rebounder. Like Nick's, Knicks fans have seen this for a while. Like Mitch Robinson is really the designated box out guy. And then (sighs) Julia, Julius Julius gets the vacuum. Julius is a good rebounder, but he gets extra free rebounds on top of that. Yeah. And then, so 10% offensive rebound rate, 10% block rate, which means you're blocking the fuck out of everything. And then one and a half steal rate, which is just good Mm -hmm. is tall um, and has a BPM of over five. So like, Basically, you're impacting the game positively. And it's a really short list full of a bunch of NBA players. It's Anthony Davis, Walker Kessler, Nerlands, Willie Cauley-Stein, yeah. Lively, yeah. Embiid, Tibbs legend, favorite, Gorgie Dang. <laughs> Cheng, um, <laughs> yes. My son, Isaiah Jackson, Robert Williams, who is not as good as Mitchell Robinson, as we all know now that <laughs> the Knicks wallops the Celtics. Um, Mo Bamba and Ken Burch. And if you... uh I mean, it's notable that all these guys are good, and Lively's on the list. Um, yeah. And in defensive box plus minus, he's ahead. He's tied with. He's a little bit over Embiid and below Willie Cauley Stein, Nerlens, Kessler, and AD. And but the thing that jumped out the most to me was um, if you sort by assist percentage, the only ones who have double digit assist percentage as prospects are Joel Embiid, Robert Williams. And Derek Lively, right? Like yeah. so. Yeah. Those yeah. are, I mean, Mo. I'm uh, not not Mo. Uh, Robert Williams and Joel Embiid, they're exceptional passers for their size. I'm not saying Lively's gonna be there, particularly because Joel, like, he'll just never have the offensive gravity that Joel right. has. Right. The, the pick and pop, the post
0: ups, like that yeah, type of stuff. the whole yeah.
1: package. And then yeah, the Robert style. Williams has had his own amazing. I mean, he's obviously not Embiid, but he's developed really well. But he's got it in there at yeah. some point. So if like we talked about the shooting being gravy. If yeah. anything else happens on offense for his development, his passing just becomes that much more valuable yeah. because any gravity he has will allow him to pass more. So there's just like some sneaky upside there and a high floor, which is why you yeah. am very high on this guy. And he's my dark horse to be on the Knicks radar, even though we have three centers who are solid. just because sims is like he's fine but he's not the kind of center who prevents you from picking a center and then hartenstein is really good but he has uh one more year after this year and then that's it um so you could do worse with your pick than pick a kid who you could let marinate for a year under the tutelage of tibbs and some other really good centers and and then you know train him to be mitch's backup or eventually, if you have to trade Mitch, then you have another guy in the wings or whatever. And if you have injuries, he's the type of guy who could probably be all right as a rookie as far as rookie centers go. So, um, I'm a big Lively fan. You're a big Lively fan. Knicks people listening to this, I know you hate it when I advocate for the Knicks to draft a center. But
0: <laughs> yeah. I submit
1: this for your consideration for... The, for the awards this year. Uh again, it's the,
0: it's the scheme <laughs> versatility, it's the the the, the comfort guarding in space on the perimeter. His post defense, like one-on-one post defense is getting better. Like he was really solid against state guarding DJ Burns, who's like a nice low post target for state last night. And yeah, number 3 nationally in block rate. It's not that, that that's not like a fake number. Like he gets he blocks a lot of tough shots. You know? He's huge. He keeps a lot of shots in play. Like he launches fast breaks. And then offensive rebound rate up to 13.5%. And I'm telling you, some of those are like Jesus. Some of those, it's like, yeah, like he's the tallest guy in the court and he jumps high. So like he's gonna get some stuff. But like he had one against um, it was either Louisville or Virginia Tech, like in a scramble last week where like he did the Tyson Chandler like tap back out for a bucket to somebody, and like it's just like that's a winning basketball play. Like, yeah, it's an offensive rebound, but it also like it it was a contested rebound that led directly to 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 points. You know, it's mm-hmm. like a, a high percentage look. Um so yeah, again, like you just you have to you have to like look at him through the right lens. It's like, you know, you're not using a lottery pick on this guy and he's not Anthony Davis, you know, (laughs) like, but like, can he be a starting center in the NBA for a while? Like, and give you, you know, production on both sides of the court? Like, yeah, I think he can.
1: There you have it. Don't sleep on my boy D live. Um, On that note, we can talk about the next guy in that game, flip flip. I feel like his stock has gone up and down and all around a little bit. He's, he just came in. It was so clear that of the Duke kids, he was the most ready to just get buckets. And I was actually like, you know, you know, I, I had very stereotyped opinions. I was like, oh, he's seven feet and he's good at offense, but he's probably can't play center in the NBA because you got to be really good at defense to play center in the NBA. And I didn't consider like, oh, you know, maybe he's quick enough on his feet to play the four. There's a lot of big threes and big fours now. You got guys like, I mean, they're obviously different players, but, like, Laurie Markkinen plays the three sometimes. Julius Randle has played the three sometimes. Like, some threes are legit fours in other contexts now. Um, as far as, you know, mo- there's still a small ball around the league and all that, but more more often it's, like, can you, can you defend threes? Can you defend four? It's who can you defend, and can you put the ball on the floor on offense? So someone like Flip, you know, I wonder – He's the kind of player who if he can defend fours and fives in the NBA, then uh, (laughs) Brian had a little crisis here. I'm gonna keep going, though. Um, If he can defend fours and fives in the NBA, I think he has the ball skills to hang in there uh, at the four, not just the five. Uh, you good, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Sorry, I had to just do something downstairs. So, it's My all apologies.
1: good. Pe- people got to see your your lateral agility here. Oh, so god, <laughs> this, this is how Brian rolls right handled business. He deeply
0: embarrassing. It. I apologize. Nah, uh,
1: I-, I was just saying, uh, with, with Flip, like he had more ball skills than I thought he had, and that leads me to be a little more comfortable that he can play the four in the nba um yeah. i don't know about the three but definitely the four yeah. but I, I just i'm wondering where you're at in terms of like like four like tweener in the good way tweener in the bad way like how do how do we feel about flip like he clearly has some skills
0: yeah Like he is uh i like flip um i do think there's a chance he comes back to duke i, I don't know if he's a lock to to stick in the 2023 draft um but uh, there's also a very good chance that he dips out. Like, he's huge, and he's strong. He loves contact. Like, I don't think it's – like, he's gotten knocked in the face a bunch this season. He's had guys go after him. <laughs> like, like the dude likes to mix it up. You know what I mean? So, it's it's cool that he's like – so, do I think he can, like, play for in the NBA? Like, yeah, he can, um, in part because he really rebounds to – and I know he hasn't shot like a great percentage from three this season, but like I think he's going to shoot it long term.
1: Um, I do I too. I, I like his mechanics a
0: lot. I do too. And the, the free throw shooting, which is a great indicator, like he shot really well from the line. And like the threes this guy's taken, they're not just like stand still, you know, shoot off of a t spot up threes, right? They're picking pops. He's taken some off dribble threes too. It's like, which you know, maybe deflates those numbers a little bit. But yeah, I think his the physicality. The, the shot and, like you said, the skills, too. Like, he's got some short roll game. He's got some DHO game, some d, fake d dribble handoff, keep, get downhill. Um, again, the short roll passing, they use him a lot as a screener at Duke. They run a lot of, like, you know, 1-4 looks with Lively in the dunker spot and, and Flip being the one, you know, setting screening and popping or screening and short rolling. And, again, he can make reads from that. They run not as much as, like, Bancaro last year, but they definitely kept some of, like, the Bancaro, like, elbow 4-5 or pick-and-roll looks. Like, you'll see Flip and Lively have run pick-and-roll from the elbow, like, out of horns or just out of elbow a couple of times this season. And, like, Flip has scored on those looks. He's made, like – I'm talking about, like, live dribble pocket passes, you know, in, like, inside the lane to Lively for finishes or to Ryan Young for a layup or whatever. And um, there was one game, I think it was the Wake Forest game, after a timeout, they ran three straight, four, five pick and rolls. I asked uh, John Shire about it after the game, and he was like, I trust him to make the right decisions on those, those types of plays. Um, so he's got skills. He gets himself into trouble sometimes when he uh, – especially early in the year, they were so dependent on him for shot creation. This is really before, like, uh, Roach got healthy and before Proctor had sort of, like, ascended – to, to more of more like prominent on ball role and, you know, creation opera creation role. Um, Flip has this habit of like, you know, he uses a lot of spin moves behind the back dribbles to create separation. He can be loose with the basketball. And it's been like kind of a joke among some of like, you know, the online Duke crowd of like, Oh God! Here goes flip. You know, like ISO from twenty-two feet, and like he just like which which behind the back dribble is it going to be the second or third one? Which one's going to go like out of bounds? You know, but like he's willing to try stuff, and there are other times too where the spin moves are really tight and really physical, and he uses it to get separation in the final third, and uh and, and get downhill and finish, and like. I don't know if it's surprising or not. I guess I hadn't like been keeping up with these two numbers for him as much as I thought all season. But like Duke's defense, which by the way has been like a top ten, top twelve unit in the country the last month, Lively is a huge reason for that. It's not a defense that like gets a lot of steals, and and, and other than Lively, doesn't really block a ton of shots. They just don't force a ton of turnovers. Filipowski is like the one guy, and he's at you know he's over two percent, two and a half percent. Uh, both block and steal rate this season. That's high. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I the rep on him coming into the season was bad on defense, right? Like, that was part of the rep. And they played – they had a, a preseason game against, I think, Fayetteville State where, like, there were a couple, like, you know, ball screen pick-and-pop situations with him in space where it was like, oh, this looks bad. And – I just it hasn't been an issue this year. Like he switches a lot, they use him to switch out onto fours. He's basically—I mean, I'm not labeling Filipowski as a one through five defender, but in college this season, he's guarded one through five and done a pretty good job in space. And again, he's super physical. He crashes the glass. He rebounds. I buy the shot. He can pass and he scores from a bunch of different levels. And you don't have to like run stuff. Like you can run offense through him. But also, you don't need to run stuff to get it. Like, because he can spot up, because he can mash dudes on the offensive glass, because he gets out in transition and like fills the lane. Like, he just he just like hustles his way into into like points too. You know. Uh,
2: before we continue this discussion, though, uh, NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet five dollars and win two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Own the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There's a there's a big role for guys like that. Like, of course, when we
1: think of awesome power forwards, it's very easy to, you know, be like, oh, like Knicks fans like think of Julius Randle. And then there's yeah. other guys in the league like Pascal and Laurie and Sabonis and Zion without even talking about like obviously Giannis or AD or whatever. <laughs> but but then after it. that, after like those 10 guys, like the Julius, Pascal, Laurie, Jaren kind of crew then it's you're you're looking at a bunch of I don't want to say role players because it almost feels disrespectful but they're really important for their teams in a lot of ways you're looking at guys like Evan Mobley Aaron Gordon um, mm-hmm. Bobby Portis is one you know Nick Legend Bobby Portis my <laughs> my biggest regret was just hating and slandering him while he was on the Knicks and then he went he's on to cool. do great things. Yeah, he's cool. He's good. He's good. I've apologized numerous times on man, Twitter I, to Bobby. I'm sure he's him. seen my I apologies.
0: <laughs> I owe him an apology, too. Like, when Milwaukee added him, I was like, what? I don't get it. And it's it's worked out, like, beautifully.
1: Yeah, he's killing. He's playing really arguably well. the best ball of his career right now as yeah. they win a zillion games in a row.
0: They're good, um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, and then, you, you know, you keep going, and it's like – You see what guys like Jared Vanderbilt is doing for Mm -hmm. LA or my favorite from last year, Tari Ezen, even though Houston stinks, and, um, you know, Santi Aldama. Like, there's just, like, a weird Mick Kelly Olinick. Like, there's guys with big roles and small roles and who can be potential, like, sub all-stars like Aaron Gordon or just random eighth men, like jared vanderbilt who are contributing to quality hoops and you know there's not enough star power forwards in the league for every team to have one and i know some teams will like to play like small forwards at the four as well and that's totally un- there's some small forwards who you can definitely do that with right like obviously guys like lebron and Kawhi, and yeah um <laughs> even, even some other guys like scotty barnes or yeah. andrew wiggins or whatever but um i think there's a place In many teams in this league, for these skilled role player fours. And you look at how many teams, because you need skill on the floor at all times now, it's not just good enough to be three and D and you can't dribble or do anything. You look at that's the reason why a lot of teams will play their threes at the four. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the reason why you see a Keldon Johnson or a Sadiq Bey or a Kyle Kuzma. Or whoever playing the four playing the four, it's it's because they're strong-ish and can put it on the deck. But when teams have seven footers like Laurie, who can play the three, who can play down, or even play the mm-hmm. four, and just like Julius isn't tall, but he's stronger than everybody he plays. And obviously Julius is an all-star, so like I'm not saying that's in Flips future, but like if you can move and credibly do a little bit of defense on the three and a four off the bench shoot it and put it on the deck respectably like it feels he just feels like a pick who's boring but it's gonna be in the league and are gonna be in the rotations for a long fucking time and i almost feel like he's like underrated now like before he was getting mocked like kind of high and i was like oh all right there relax but
0: yeah uh, yeah. but i'm like damn
1: like he's He's solid. He's going to be solid for
0: someone. (laughs) Yeah, the shooting numbers have, like, I mean, again, he's got to a point this season where, like, he was clearly at at the top of the scouting report, and he probably still is, you know. Um, And I think that, I mean, you know, I think the three-pointers run a little cold in conference play, but also just, like, he's gotten a lot of attention. Um, He just does a ton of stuff offensively. It's just hard to just, like, he can just kind of do a little bit of everything. Uh, He can shoot. He's got the handoff game. He's got the short roll game. You can post him up against mismatches. He's totally fine with contact. He draws a ton of fouls. He gets a ton of and ones. He hits the offensive glass. And like one of Duke's like bail out plays, like when the, like when the set doesn't work, like one of the things they like to do is they just, they clear out a side with Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, and they just run like two man, like pick and pop. And he's got like a good feel for that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, pop. now right, no, this time we rescreen. Now I'm diving into the post. Then um, I caught in the post. Is there a double coming? All right. Can I throw it to Dale? Like he just got, you can kind of see him going through the reads. Maybe he's like a little mechanical sometimes. Um, but I think he's got a good feel um, in that regard. And I mean, like he moves pretty well. Like I kind of, again, I didn't see much of flip before he got to Durham where I've seen a lot of him. And like, uh, you know he's not like the smoothest of movers but like he moves well <laughs> enough in, in my opinion and i think laterally he's shown more than i thought he had switching out and sliding against you know i mean he this is where his size can really help him out and obviously nba primary creators it's like a you know you know like it's it's one thing to switch out on to like <clears throat> you know Virginia tech starting point guard than it is to switch out onto like Donovan Mitchell and just get, yeah
1: you're going to get cooked. The best, most switchable <laughs> players are going <laughs> to yeah. mostly get cooked. That's what yeah, I think people just, online happens, forget man. to realize in the NBA. Like <clears throat> the,
0: the, the point is keeping the ball in front, you know what I mean? Like, which is the right, you know, what you're going for with the switch and <clears throat> making those guys hit tough shots, whatever. um But I do think flips, like when he has to like, you know, show and recover or be at the level and recover I think he's shown some good stuff there too. Like I think he's been a little bit more comfortable in space uh, than I thought he was, and uh, yeah, it just feels like if this is a guy that settles in. Like he's gonna shoot volume threes at a at like a you know pretty high clip, and again with his size, with the passing, um, and with the physicality, it's like yeah, it feels like he can really contribute and be in the in like you said, man, like just like be in NBA rotations for a long time.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm I'm I'm, he's on my underrated. I don't I think he as far as Knicks go, like we have Jules, we have OB, so I don't think he's in the cards for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there's plenty of teams, I think, uh, that could use him. And I think he has more upside with the shooting, because if he's this impactful of a college player and he's just been like bricking threes all fucking season, like if that thing ever gets consistent, he's going to be very versatile. Like you see guys like this is what I'm saying, like guys like Isaiah Stewart and Kelly Olynyk can play the 4 and the 5 not defend the rim set screens rebounds get steals create events and just be crafty and be
0: really impactful. Yeah, Duke has not had to like hide him at all defensively this year. Do you know what I mean? Like they haven't mm-hmm. they haven't they've played very little. I mean, when they've played zone it hasn't been because of him and they've done that a little bit this year, but like they don't have to hide him and I mean, like this stuff I don't think is like an incredible indicator for like success on the next level necessarily, but like he has almost start to finish led the led the and like the Ken Palm like conference player of the year metric. Like on top mm-hmm. of a guy like Armando Bacon at UNC, who like is a is the kind of player that's like designed because of you know rebounds and points is designed to like these right, right. categories and flip is just like almost end to end. Um, you know, the, we're heading to the last week of the regular season too, and like again, he's almost start to finish led the league all season long in in, in that metric too. As a freshman, it's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm a big fan, and I'm I'm rooting to see if he has a like. He's the kind of guy who's a good enough scorer that if if he just has a week and a half of just shooting the ball well, that could yeah. really change the fortunes of this Duke team in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh there's other Duke guys we could talk about, but I'm gonna skip over them for now and go to uh Nick F- Draft Nick Draft watcher favorite, Terquavion Smith. I think there lots of people um are fans of his. I can't put my finger on why maybe it's because there's like loose it's funny because quickly has like evolved, like he's gone from yeah. Yeah, like coming into the league as a bomber <clears throat> shooter sniper, and then he couldn't shoot consistently, and he became like he was like I'm gonna become an fucking elite defender or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and now he's scoring and doing that, and it's like oh, he, he's he might awesome. win six man of the year now. Yeah, so like he
0: rules. I, I love quickly.
1: So Turk had like some similar vibes as like combo guard gunner, and and yeah. last year everybody was like he needs to work on his point guard skills. And he came in this year and he was, he had worked on his point guard skills. So it's like, okay, this is awesome. And, um, but I, I haven't followed him since earlier in the year, to be honest, I haven't watched many of state games. This is why I, I kind of mad at myself for missing the game yesterday. But, um, like w- where is he at compared to last year? Like last year, he was kind of acknowledged as a solid player who could maybe return. And if he could return, like on the one hand, he could be one of the best returners, but on the other hand, this class is kind of stacked, so that makes it tricky. But on the other other hand, this class doesn't have a lot of guards. But on the other <laughs> other other hand, yeah. he's kind of short, and it's tough for short guards. So like, wh- yeah. where are we at on Turk?
0: Yeah, any he, any skinny? Like he's, yeah. he's really skinny. Um, he's not put on a lot of weight since uh since last season. Like what stinks is it's like if we'd had this conversation about uh baby T as he's known in these, in these parts. <laughs> uh, I live in Raleigh. Um, I think it would be more positive. He's in the midst of a really bad slump and it's all the, the jumper has just like left the building for him the last month. And that is which is like unthinkable. Yeah. Cause he's such a nutty volume shooter, you know, now state is off. They say that States doesn't have a game the last weekend of the regular season. So like, I don't know. I was kind of hoping maybe this weekend, you know, Turk will go back to Greenville and get up, you know, 500 shots at Farmville Central High School and, you know, get, you know, Glock it. But like, so again, jumper's in a really bad spot and the context isn't great either because state's offense, if you've watched, you know, if you've scouted, you know, Darion Sebron last year, Turk last year, like it is one of the high vault, one of the like highest of, High volume pick and roll offenses in the country. Like almost every possession, if it's not a post up for DJ Burns, is going to be ball screen for Jarkel Joyner or Terquavion Smith. Um, they don't, this team doesn't get a ton of rim pressure, they don't get to the line. Turk's the one like perimeter guy that draws like you know decent contact. And his foul drawing has gone up, like he's at four and a half fouls drawn per 40 minutes. That's like at least. Um, up one from last season, which is which is nice to see. Um, but basically, like, the offense just, like, it leads to a lot of teams being able to dictate how they want to guard Terquavion, right? Like, you know, and we mm-hmm. saw, especially early in the season, teams putting a ton of attention on the ball just to get it out of his hands. But worse is that <clears throat> it can also just lead to a lot of, like, tough off-dribble shots, right? And so, for a guy like Tuquavion, that's never been like a great half court finisher at the rim and is playing in this offense that is also going to route a lot of his usage into like pull up threes, pull up mid range twos, and the jumpers left the building, then all of a sudden he's just like he's just every game, he's just like stuck in the mud. And I think it is impacting his confidence a little bit. Um, like I think last night at, at Duke, he, you could see him getting frustrated. Um, he's a really passionate player. Like he's got, he's got like, uh, like he's got a, a kind of a passion that I, I bet I'm sure Knicks, fan, Knicks fans, would love. Like he plays with a lot of heart. Um, he came back because he like wanted to be a part of this. And the team's been really good, and he's the main reason for it. You know, but mm-hmm. he's just he's really struggling right now. Um, I was a little worried heading into the season because for this very reason, honestly. Like because and I was wrong for two thirds of the season. Um, but last year when they had Darion Sebron, as you remember going through the scouting process, like Sebron was the best rim pressure guy mm-hmm. in college basketball, right? Like, I mean, Elias Williams was awesome. There's some other guys we could talk about last year, but Sebron was like special in terms of like volume efficiency foul drawing and the degree of difficulty he was doing it uh, you know off of right and he created a lot of good looks for Jaquavion right like the right. Sla- like that, that was such an awesome slashing kick combo you know downhill pick and roll or drag screen whatever for Sebron Jaquavion shakes up open catch and shoot three and like Turk, Turk's just, like, not getting those looks this season, right? Like, they don't have uh, – Jarkel joining their other guard, is really good. He draws a ton of attention, but he's not the kind of guy that's, like, going to collapse the defense and then kick out for a spot-up three for Jaquavion, right? Um, Turk has to, like, hunt those looks off of post-ups and in transition more so than just, like, being second-side on, on pick-and-roll action. Um and so I was worried, like, well, this means, you know, like, he's going to get less catch-and-shoot threes, and he's going to get more pick-and-roll uh, opportunities, and, like, he can do that, but he wasn't especially efficient with it last season, now, the pick-and-roll. It's been better this year. Um, So, like, that's where – that, like, I think that's – he's just – at the wrong time, he's backsliding, you know, with the mm-hmm. jumper. But – all season long, I think the playmaking has been there. You can look at like the like the assist numbers jumped a ton. He doesn't turn the ball over for a guy that's like, you know, a pretty creative passer for someone that you're like and a he good, has the
1: ball in his hands a lot. A
0: ton, a ton. And it's it's all, dude, it's all pick and roll. Like it's just it's just all pick and roll, all pick and roll, all pick and roll. Um and uh, so again, it's not like they're putting him in like a lot of like creative sets, you know what I mean? To like mm-hmm. route that usage through com- him coming off pin downs or you know having an empty corner. It's, it's like it's none of that, you know. It's always him versus like a stacked set defense. Um, uh, but so again, I think there's, I still think like Terquavion is like an interesting bet as like a you know you're betting on his upside as a creator. Mm-hmm. But it does speak to – I think, like, right now what you're seeing, like, it does speak to the limitations. That, like, he's never – probably never going to be, like, a great downhill finisher, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe you get him in some more spacing, et cetera. Um, he's got a nasty handle, really, really wicked handle. And he has the ability – maybe not with a great first step, but he still has, like, enough, like, sort of, like, jittery speed to, like, get guys down – you know, to, like, take dudes downhill. Mm-hmm. And – um but, like, ultimately, he's got to be able to play off the shot. You know, like, I just think that's something that, like, he's got to have to force teams to guard him a certain way so that he then he can use – then he can actually go at the, at the matchups or make passes uh, to guys around certain coverages. And just, like, it hasn't been there recently. Um, so he's in a tough spot. I'm hopeful that he can, like, break out of it and close the season strongly because, like, I still think he's, like, an interesting, like, long-term bet for the NBA. In my opinion of him, really hasn't changed all that much. You know what I mean? He's just, like, in a tough spot. And so it's, like, it's really, like, messing the numbers. And, you know, I think it's, you know, caused his, his stock to definitely, like, crater some the last month here. Do you think he'll consider coming back? I think it's, like, it's... I don't think he will, but like it's not out of the question. It's like he does like playing at NC State, it's close to his home. Like, um, he has he's very close with several of the guys on the team, uh, including Ernest Ross and Breon Passer, two guys he was recruited in the state with. Um, so like I think it's possible, but you know, I mean, he's in, in, it's probably not like. Coming into college, he wasn't slotted as like a one and done or a two and done kind of guy. Like he was like a top, barely top 100 prospect in 2021. So maybe he is. Maybe he is open to to it. But uh, my guess would be after going through the process last year and and then him having a big season despite the slump and the team playing well. Like my guess would be that he'll probably look to go pro. But for whatever it's worth, like Terpavion's definitely made some money for himself this year with NIL right and he would get to do it again next year if he did come back but but my guess would be that like he'll he'll look to you know become an, an employee of an NBA franchise here soon enough
1: i'm crossing my fingers i think he's definitely easy to root for and super entertaining and yeah. uh, i i just think he'll have a it'll be he'll have a transition and a smart team will ease that transition by uh, like you mentioned it, you know last year he had guys who could set him up a little bit more, he'll probably have that in the NBA, right? Yeah. So you hope that you know, no. he's coming off the bench for some team and whether he plays a lot or not, he'll uh, he'll have chances to do that. And, you know, if he ends up getting G League reps, then I'm sure there was many other things that, you know, particularly the driving and finishing that his team, his employer would like him to to work on. So I'm yeah. not, I'm definitely not out on him. It's more just, This class has so many interesting, talented players that there's just like a big blob of from like 17, 18 to like 40, where I'm like, like some teams could have Turk and Lively 17th or 20th, and some teams might be like, fuck that, I'm not taking a short 170-pound guy (laughs) or a a weird, like, sort of doofy, gigantic four, and like let somebody else worry about that
0: so yeah i, I think it's interesting like the hornets have denver's pick um and like there's a time where it was like no there's no way turk will be available at like 27 and i don't mean we'll see i guess i think the door is at least cracked for that now um last thing i would say about turk like defensively he's not very good um but he does, you know, he, he, ball watches, he can space out off the ball. His screen nav is not amazing, but like, he's got not like, he's got like a plus wingspan, not crazy long arms, but like, he does create steals. He, he's pretty, like, he'll hustle on closeouts. Yeah, he's um, athletic. I think there's some stuff you can do to, to, uh, to kind of like, uh, hone him in on that end and not have him be like, he'll have a target probably cause he's often going to be like the smallest guy in the court or whatever. But um, I think there's some stuff like, I think he can improve, like he's got some tools and you can improve him on that end. Um, and then he has also been dealing with, uh, like maybe if you've seen him play recently, like his left hand, like thumb wrist hand, like it's been wrapped and he's a right handed player. Like he shoots with his right hand. But Terquavion, every dunk he's had at NC State, like he's John, he's got the John Wall thing. Every That's dunk has dunks. been left-handed. Every I've tagged every single dunk, all of them left-handed. And I was talking with someone last night that scouted Terquavion going back to high school. He said, "I've seen this guy play since his freshman year. I've seen him in high school." He's like, "I said, I, he, he said to me, I've seen him dunk one time with his right hand." <laughs> so funny. I, so I, it is. And so I was wondering, like, part of me is wondering, well, like if. Yeah, you know, he finishes with his right hand on non dunk attempts, but I don't know. Part of me was wondering if, like, is he a little wary of getting downhill because the left hand is, like, compromised right now? Like, I, I don't think that's what's happening, but I, I don't know. I'm, like, looking for reasons to justify why he's struggling right now. And maybe that's one of them.
1: Yeah, it might be. Um, I'll definitely keep an eye on that. I didn't, I didn't know he had a, I knew about the John Wall stuff, but I didn't know he had a rap on. Um, yeah. All right, the the next guy is probably the headliner, and I purposely put him in the middle of the pod so I could get you fuckers listening to tune in for the whole discussion. It's Dariq <laughs> Whitehead, who is, you know, we're in a weird place with Dariq where his stats are mostly not good, except for his three-point percentage, which is awesome. And he's had not one, but several injuries. He was highly recruited, and he hasn't had the numbers to back that up. But he also is put in a very specific floor spacing role for a team that direly needs floor spacing. So on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, I can see why they have him putting it up. On the other, other hand, like sometimes I watch him and I'm like, you can't blow by anybody right now. Like, if, if, yeah. Like they got to give him pin downs and stuff. Just to get him going which is fine right yeah. like the knicks do that for rj barrett a lot but rj barrett when like he can also get by somebody one-on-one now and i don't know that the injury stuff was the subject of a recent article on the athletic that i thought was really informative it wasn't anything like revelatory it was kind of what you'd expect so for people who don't know Derek whitehead was also like lively one of the top recruits depending on who you read the top recruit. Um, if you look at his high school mixtape, it looks like something from a video game. Um, he did it all. And his last s- season at Mount Montverde high school, he was the center of their offense, despite other star players being on there. And a lot of it was based on his really crazy shot making for a 17, 18 year old, like coming off screen, shooting threes off the dribble, getting into the paint and using craft and um with a little bit of space he could get up pretty high and he wasn't like a tight space jumper or anything like that last year the year before that when he was like 16 he was like a insane like tom not thompson twin but like not not far from that like he was dunking from like Mm -hmm. ridiculous angles and stuff like that so it's clear that the combination of just getting older and weight gain and athleticism, I mean, not, and injuries have probably sapped some of his athleticism. But the question that is on many Knicks fans' minds is similar to what we went through with AJ Griffin last year, which is like, okay, even if he's not this ridiculous athlete, is there enough in the tank that like we should not just overlook a strong six foot seven wing who can shoot of course eight <laughs> yeah. of course aj griffin right. are, the, are those guys
0: useful in the nba or something i can't like, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. yeah. an important thing to have
1: <laughs> right like the knicks the knicks don't really have that kind of guy but um you know i mean josh hart is like six five on paper and like six nine yeah. in impact so he's yeah. basically are that guy but like I go, I've like wake up every day with a different opinion on whitehead. And he very much is being mocked in the Knicks range and to the Knicks in a lot of cases, because the Knicks are finally in that range where I'm not saying this is their draft philosophy, but if they wanted to, they could, they could take a home run swing. Um, You've seen, we've seen playoff teams that are good, but not contenders do that. Um, the, The Nuggets did it famously with Michael Porter Jr. I mean, they had Jokic, but he wasn't like fully operational Death Star Jokic like he is now at the time. But he was clearly good. And they were like, fuck it. You know, we don't need a role player. We're just going to take a swing on this guy. And it worked out. Um, It doesn't always work out. But the Knicks could do that if they wanted. Lately, my feeling has been I'm too much of a coward. I am not about that life. I'm just going to let another team Mm -hmm. take the risk because this guy's athleticism seems to have decreased for two or three years straight. And he can shoot, but so can lots of other guys. And he's a solid defender, but a, a solid defender who's a good shooter but not like a great, great shooter is, you know, that's not my prize of my dreams here. For this pick. But other people are like, fuck that. Swing for the fences. Work this guy back from injury. Even if he doesn't return to like 2020 athleticism, he's still probably got more ball skills in the tank than he's showing at Duke because this is what Duke does with their prospects. They tell them, you know, it's like a lesser version of what we see at Kentucky with (laughs) Coach Cal, where a lot of the times Except for Flip apparently they're like do your role and do your thing and Flip meanwhile gets to do like the flip mixtape or whatever. <laughs>
0: 29% um, usage. <laughs>
1: yeah, 29% usage and all types of the, the whole package of yeah. type of variety. So like where are you at and you know since you're actually in the area and around people who presumably I mean he's not from there. He's from Jersey, right outside yeah, the city. Yeah. But like, I'm sure people were super excited for this guy to join the team, and yeah, like had to manage expectations and all that. So, what's that been like?
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, it's been tough because it's like, you know, he is, and often he's the most talented guy in the gym, but he just is unable to show it. Um, he's been he's missed time this season because of injuries foot injury to start the season, man, the the injury he had against, I think it was Clemson the other week. I was scared. It looked like he tore his Achilles. Like, that's what everybody texted me. (laughs) Yeah. No one, no one was coming out and saying it like right away, but it was like, oh, that looks like this thing that I really hope it's not. Um, what I would say for Dariq, as far as the shooting goes, like he shoots with his upper body a lot. He really uses his his hands. He flicks his wrist a ton. Um, -hmm so it was this was even mentioned in the article in the athletics yeah having to strengthen his lower body i mean again i've seen him shoot warm-up shots a lot and you can see it like he really does does he generates a lot of that shot with his upper body with his arms with his hands which is like you you know it's not it's not usually see that yeah you usually see that from tall
1: like big fucking like lebron does that like guys who are big and have the straight over you do it yeah yeah
0: you know like you know aj griffin wasn't You know, you think about the like archetypal aj griffin shot he's in like the jeff Backwell batting stance exactly he's the reverse (laughs) three and i mean look uh, at after as of like a week ago was leading the acc in three point percentage during conference play on like decent volume um the three-point shooting has not been, like, as impactful as AJ what A.J.'s was last season, where A.J. was doing it with such incredible volume, from incredible distances, doing it off movement, and, like, they, you know, they run. There's, there's a couple – there's two different, like, weak side pin-down actions they run for Whitehead. I think he's been, like, okay, not great on those looks this season. They run – occasionally they give him some ball handling opportunities where they do these, like – inverted like ghost screens where like one of the guards will throw it at him and then run in his direction and then slip out and they'll try to get him going downhill off that. And like there's been some flashes, but they're just flashes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He's really struggled to finish at the rim uh, in the half court. He missed a dunk in transition at one point this season. Like he just has not been able to like explode and get off the floor. Like it just isn't there. And what sucks is like – it's 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 fucked with his confidence like he's he's come out and talked about it here he's yeah, like he about it and like it, that's it really sucks to see and i feel i feel for him because uh having this happen publicly is 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 tough like he's obviously very very talented um but like he just doesn't get lift on you'll see so you'll see him like show good body control and sometimes some good strength when he drives to the rim but like he doesn't get enough lift the time i see it
1: the most aside from the dunks which is really i did a i did a voiceover video on uh on air showing of the dunks but lately like i was watching some more of his pre-college stuff and he's really good at doing like long jumps and he's still good now like he'll do long jumps and like you said he has the body contortion ability and he has pretty big hands and he'll just like you can tell if he could jump higher, this would be like a fire move where he would just like contort, jump, jump across the lane and then just like place the ball somewhere near like the middle of the square. But now it's not the middle of the square. Now it's like a scoop shot. Yeah. yeah. That shit
0: is not as effective. (laughs) It's too much below the rim finishing, you know? And, um, and again, you can see like, I've seen him up close a lot this season. And I, I think he's like, he's, he's worn, you know, some of those confidence issues on his sleeve. So I, I really do feel for him. And like, there was one game, the Ohio State game early in the season, which was one of his first sort of like good flashes of play. Like he hit a three, he got a steal, and he hit one of those threes, and he, he actually like happened to sort of like backpedal right by me on press row, and like you could see the relief on his face. He was like, you know, I, again, I, I, it's it sucks because like he's young, and this has been happening very publicly. Like you're you're in you're under the microscope when you play at Duke, and you're. Mott Bird guy and you know, you're mock to go top ten, etc. So um I think he's still like worth a a, a swing. Uh I mean I think I kind of think a team like the like New York would be like a little interesting. Um he and Barrett are actually know one another. Like RJ's senior year, Tariq was an eighth grader on the varsity team there. So those guys have actually played together. That's hilarious. A, a I forget yeah.
1: this one of those reminders that like RJ is 22. Yeah. So it feels like <laughs> yeah. he's been in the league forever. Yeah,
0: R- RJ has college teammates that are still like Joey Baker plays at Michigan this season. And like those dudes were in the same, it's So funny. <laughs> same recruiting class, man. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, but, uh, so I still think he's like an interesting upside play, but like, I would want to see like the, me- like the confidence stuff. It's like, you know, it sucks now, but it's like, you can probably work through that with time. It's just like physically, where's he at, you know? Um, because yeah, if he the- is, if he's just a shooter, like that's one thing. But like, does he have the ability? Like, he's he was built as a slasher. Like, can he get? Right. Can he ever get back to that? Assuming full health and you know full confidence. And part of me does think like the lack of vertical pop. Like, how much of that is physical, and how much of that is him just being like worried to like fully test out the foot, or fully test out you know anything else that's bothered bothering him. Just like really open it up. Um, I think Duke's been pretty careful with him for the most part um they they tend to be you know as careful as the college program could be in terms of from like the sports science perspective so i trust that physically he's there they wouldn't be playing him if he wasn't so part of me does think like well is this just what is what he is now or is this like a confidence thing and i think if you're a team that like if you're drafted in the mid to late first round like you do your research and then you make your decision. Um, but he could end up being like, he could end up being a steal. Like I, 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 I the people that covered like that, like followed him before Duke really, really like his game a lot. And they've seen him more than I have. And there, those are some of those people are guys that I really, really trust with evaluating talent. And so that makes me, I don't want to give up on, on, Dur- on Durique, uh just, just yet. So, um, and, and the fact that he's used some of this like rehab time to like work on his shot is kind of cool too. Like he's taken a, he's taken a, a, ch- a crappy situation and he's like unearthed a, like a, like a long-term positive thing out of it. So, um, I think that's cool that, that you know, tip the cap to Derrick and tip the cap to Duke staff for trying to mine some good out of a, out of a tough situation. So, um, You know, I don't know where I am on Dariq, but I mean, damn, if he was available in like the middle of the first round, like the, just like the pure talent gamble, it would be tough for me to to pass that opportunity up.
1: I got to say. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of Knicks fans who are uh, much less
0: cowardly than me are are right there (laughs) with you. Well, I'm usually a coward when it comes to this stuff, but it's not my team. So I'm like, ah, go for it. (laughs) I have to
1: worry about my reputation that nobody cares about. (laughs) except for when it's you know championing 23 year old lead ball handling prospects or whatever um yeah no the the article and what i've heard about Durek and you know like i'm from new york jersey area and people say he's he's nobody doubts the work ethic he seems like yeah. a great kid and yeah yeah, yeah he every, is. the article like you could read in the article it seems like you know he's bummed about all this stuff but he's working through it so you know it's
0: everyone on that team's pulling for him too i'll say that like you can tell he's Mm -hmm. it's one of those times when you can tell when he's a good teammate like Mm -hmm. when he subs in or if he hits a shot like everyone like this was like the case for age before aj like was fully operational last season when he was like just starting to come on for duke Mm -hmm. everyone on the team is like really really rooting for him and like that probably says something about the the human being behind you know that is the player too
1: yeah totally totally so um i'm definitely gonna keep rooting for him the article said that they estimated he was two to three weeks out from being where they wanted him to be physically so i'm hoping duke can last long enough (laughs) <laughs> to to cook and let him cook. Um I don't know what that end result Dariq Whitehead actually looks like. Um it's it's interesting because like just from a Knicks perspective, from a Knicks perspective he doesn't seem like the kind of guy they historically take. They rarely take eighteen, nineteen year olds. Yeah. Um they yeah. don't take guys who can't contribute now and I don't mean like get by. I mean like contribute. So it's that's asking a lot of someone like him who's coming back from injury. But on the other hand, they I don't want to say they've taken reclamation projects, but they show a very clear capacity to look beyond what a player is and at what a player could be. And they do this both with the drafting and with their free agency signings. We've seen it in the draft with, um, with, Emmanuel quickly and Quentin Grimes, who have both now like quickly as far outstripped several things he was billed as um, Grimes famously came in as a five-star guard. Not unlike Dariq, flamed out, transferred, rebuilt himself as a three and D effort, high athlete, high motor guy, and is now doing that in the NBA, but I'm not ruling out more on-ball stuff for him as he gets older because that stuff is still there in the tank from when he was a point guard. Um, and then, you know, with with Deuce McBride, they've he didn't run an NBA offense in college, so they were like, go to Westchester and run 1,000 pick-and-rolls per day. And he did that, and <laughs> he got pretty good at it, and uh, he's – He's, you know, he's out of the rotation, but he's he's definitely going to stick around the league for a while, and
2: yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so you see them, you know, you, Josh Hart is changing his shot profile now that he's here. Cam Reddish is no longer here, but when he was here, they changed the shot profile to try to better suit his skills. He didn't agree with that, presumably. Um, <laughs> uh, so thus
0: continues the the mystery that is Cam Reddish's offensive yeah. of game. Getting- yeah. I, I think you clipped the thing about with Julius Randall talk Tibbs talking about Randall's shot profile. That was really interesting. I listened to that clip. Um, that was pretty interesting, actually. Like shout out to New York and the coaching staff and the analytics staff, probably for for working on that.
1: Then the Knicks are like, this is this Knicks season is like a analytics fever dream. I don't think people <laughs> people realize it because most teams are you know somewhat analytically crazy right now anyway. Like every yeah, team, yeah. every team is yeah. There's not many like oh okay boomer like lose like yeah. the analytics. Even the teams with small analytics staff probably lean on those guys quite a bit. But with these yeah, Knicks yeah. they're like oh Mitchell Robinson has the highest points per possession on offensive rebounds off of floaters. We're just going to ask all our guys to get floaters and sign and play guys (laughs) who can hit floaters. And even if they can't hit floaters like RJ, we're going to ask them to take the floaters because we got Mitch. And then we're going to bring in Hartenstein, who's also great at offensive rebounding and taking floaters. And then we're going to bring in Josh Hart, who's good at offensive rebound. Like, they're nuts. Like, their analytic shot profile. That's why... I joke on Twitter that we have like the grifter offense. Every other top 10 offense is like 58 true shooting, 59 true shooting, 57. And the Knicks are like 55.
0: (laughs) We're just playing murder ball on the offensive glass here. Yeah. And
1: and then you sort all the, you look at all those offenses and you look at field goal attempts per game and they're all like 84, 85 and the Knicks 90, despite being at the slowest pace. So they, they really got some, uh, some cheat codes out here and, um, I don't know. I don't know if uh, someone like derek would fit into that, but someone like Lively would. That's why he's yeah. a dark horse. That's why he's a dark horse for me. Um, all right, moving on. There's two other guys I want to talk about who are really interesting. Um, the first is Matthew Cleveland, who I actually first wrote about last year when he was a freshman because he was pretty hyped up as a prospect, and he was like a big dude. He was like a six nine when he came in rangy typical fsu recruit looking dude looked like he could play the three four five and all in one possession and mm-hmm. uh i was like okay this guy seems athletic too the jump shot isn't beautiful but uh or last year it wasn't beautiful and uh but you know he, you know he he showed he had some some ball skills to work with or whatever And then it kind of just fizzled out. FSU wasn't great. And um, now I kind of, I'm not going to lie. I really wasn't paying attention to him or FSU, especially once Bob Miller, who was like, you know, he was like a a very theoretical on paper prospect who I was excited about. It was clear that he was more on paper than I had suspected. Uh, Cleveland, somebody sent me his stats and I was like, oh shit. Like, is he hooping now? And then he hit this like, whatever fifty foot game winner.
0: Yeah, he, recently. And he, come back against a really good Miami team. Yeah, yeah.
1: I actually forgot to post it, but I went out of my way to clip all of his three pointers from this year and all of his three pointers from last year and put them on my own secret, special, private YouTube channel where I put all my nerd stuff before I turn it into videos. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, like he his shot looks. Tremendously improved, so I'm like, yeah. I I need to. I don't know if he's like I, he hadn't been on any first round mocks, so I I don't and I haven't watched them, so I'm really. I yeah. just put this meal in the oven. It's barely cooked, but I'm interested on uh if you have any thoughts on on him and
0: yeah 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 and, real and quick, FSU, yeah yeah yeah. Real quickly, would we'll just say like you know with him last season he struggled so much with the jumper. Um, I mean, under 18% on threes. And early in the season, he got off to a pretty chilly start. You could see teams going under screens and mm. and we're trying to take away drive lanes, and it was tough. And FSU was really, really struggling at the start of the year. But he's ended up shooting the ball much better. Um, I mean, up to 70% from the line on a ton of volume, 37% on threes, just 20 makes, but and all, all 20 of those have been assisted. So the catch-and-shoot threes have been better. Um, he's not six, nine, he's probably six, six, um, but he is, he has long arms. He feels so long. He feels it's, tall. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the, but like I saw him before the Duke game last season, standing next to John Butler. And, uh, there's just a funny comp, uh, in terms of, of height, but long arms of uh, the jumper is up this season and he's a good defender and he's a burner in transition. Um, I think he's been, a decent switch defender not like amazing at fsu i think one of the reasons their downfall the last two seasons is they just don't have the same sort of like snap communication level from some of those elite defenses from previous seasons but he's an interesting uh wing prospect um maybe a second round guy uh maybe late first round probably into the second though but there's some interesting stuff to bet on because like He's really well liked. I asked Leonard Hamilton about him after the game this season. Like he just he constantly works. He's, this is what Leonard was saying. He works. He's unfazed by the struggling. Like he just the guy comes in and just tries to help us win every day. That was that's like the upshot of what he said. He's shooting it better this season. And again, long arm defender who could do damage as a cut finisher. I think he's an underrated cutter and, and does some good stuff in transition too.
1: Yeah, he's definitely. I don't. This class is just too deep for me to peg him as a first rounder, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially now that I know he's not six, nine, like I thought he was, Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't there, think so, <laughs> there's something there. There's something there. So it'd be interesting to, yeah. I, I wish that you're right. Like I wish this FSU team feels like, like a, like a FSU team that was supposed to be in the oven for an hour. And it got taken out after 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. With, with him and Baba Miller who are all, who, or who are both, a little bit of the they theoretical need, FSU guys.
0: They, they need a point guard to like set things up and they're playing Caleb Mills and Jalen Worley who are like talented, but you know, not really ready for the role. They're probably more combo guards, at least Mills at this point is. Yeah. Speaking of point guards, that is the
1: next kind of player I want to talk about, which is Judah Mintz <laughs> in Syracuse, who, there go. Uh, you know, I, he, he always on Twitter, his highlights would pop up every now and then. Um, he's, He's a fun player to watch, but also not through no fault of his own. Because every clip is like someone playing twenty-one, where it's you versus everybody else. And I haven't watched much Syracuse, but it seems like he doesn't have much help, and it seems like opposing defenses don't care about the other players on Syracuse. So uh, he's—I don't know—he's like athletic. He he has a a good assist-to-turnover rate, but. He's does so, he reminds me of Deuce McBride in that he does so, but he's not a conservative passer. He will flip one-handed passes across the yeah. court and stuff like that. Yeah, he yeah. just happens to nail them all the time. So that's, yeah. for like ball handling guards, that's one of the things I look for is just randomly just like one-handed passes and the ability to take risks without yeah. kind of fumbling the bag and then just in terms of like the, his main the main statistic of his that jumps out is his ability to get to the free throw line especially for somebody who you know he's not a big guy he's what like 62 3 yeah yeah somewhere in there we've established that I'm terrible at guessing height <laughs> from the television right right right, right. <laughs> um he seems pretty skinny as well uh but unlike say Turk who's also 62 63 and skinny this guy is like a missile and he just loves the contact and leans yeah. into it. And
0: yeah,
1: and his jumper, like, I don't know. Sometimes I watch it and I'm like, man, that shit look ugly. And then other times I'm like, that was actually kind of clean. And I've had people say like, oh, I love his jumper. Or other people be like, yeah. I don't like his jumper. I don't trust it at all. So yeah. I, I I just don't know what to help. I mean, what to, what to help, what to think. So <laughs> I, this is why I have you here to help yeah. me figure yeah. out my feelings.
0: I mean, I think that's a good breakdown of him. Um, The shot profile is interesting. You know, it's a lot of unassisted makes from every level of the court. You know, he shot poorly from three, but he shot it better on low volume throughout the season. But close to 50% on twos and probably 75% or somewhere around there have been unassisted, 62% at the rim, with only 33% of those makes assisted. He shot decent from long two on good volume. He can get downhill in a bunch of different ways. It's mostly pick and roll and ISO. I think he does a nice job like sprinting into points and using triple handoffs to get downhill. Like he adds a little bit of, of spice to an offense that lacks zest otherwise. Um, so Mince, I like the fact that like you sort of noted something that I wanted to point out. He takes chances as a passer, um, and yeah, the context for him this year isn't isn't great. Like he's got one guy that can roll hard, Jesse Edwards, but Edwards is not Derek Lively. You know, I mean, he can play right. off the rim and catch and finish, but he's not that kind of like lob threat. There's not a ton of shooting around him. And there's no other sort of like tough guard to help create shots unless you think Joe Girard is is worth it, you know, worth much um, with his ability to shoot uh, decently from long range. But uh, Mints, I think because of the shot creation, the creativity as a passer, I think there's a lot of low hanging fruit here for him the ability to draw contact. I think he's an interesting, like, a creator upside gamble um, for the 2023 draft. So I like Mintz a lot. The more I watch him, the more I like him, too. Um, It's just a weird context for him at Syracuse, surrounded by not much talent having to play in that zone.
1: How how is he in that zone? Because that that should, I mean, I'm already... already I think he's pretty good. I think he's pretty good
0: in the zone. He gets a lot of steals. But, like, again, the zone tends to inflate that.
1: Is he, uh like, what? do you know his wingspan? Like, is it, it I don't know. like a plus, because he gets up there. I
0: don't know, actually. And, like, again, he is wired to score, too. But, like, mm. I, I think, the, like, he's passed better than I thought he was going to heading into this season. So, I, I'm intrigued. I, I think Mintz is, like, a pretty pretty awesome prospect. Um, But I, it's just tough to evaluate his defense right now, just given the, you know, what his role has been this season with uh, their scheme.
1: Yeah, there's that and then there's the layer of like the bar is always just so fucking high for guards who are not like above 6'5". Like every year yeah. I'm like, "Put these five guards that I love into my first round and then they yeah. all go in the second round." And I'm like, "What is wrong with these people?" And then I'm like, "Oh yeah, everybody in the NBA is 6'8" now." Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. I don't I don't it's tough, like you look at a guy like Deuce, um, you know, guys off the Knicks like Jared Butler, and who I was a big fan of. Um, you know, some of them still do fine. Like Deuce is, was playing impact minutes for a lot of the season for a good team, right? Like Trey Mann is another score first combo who uh, he's not always playing, but I feel like he's actually made very sneaky strides in Oklahoma City on defense and with athleticism. Mm-hmm. So it, it just shows to go that, like, you can improve, like Trey has and Deuce have. And that still may not be enough. So um, yeah. I, I'm i excited about Mince, but I always have to kind of throw some cold water on mm-hmm. my my guard evals these <laughs> days. Yeah, I feel, that. I feel that. Cool. Well, those are mainly the guys I wanted to talk about. We're 90 minutes deep up in here. So thank you again, <laughs> as always. Yeah, for sure. Really appreciate it. Um, love, love, love just hearing i love hearing the ins i try to get people on the pod who have different perspectives on uh on scouting who who enjoy this stuff so like you know the way you cover the ace i have some people who like maybe they've seen prospects from a region in high school or maybe it's mm-hmm. you know the og scouts like rafael barlow who are professionals who are know so, how to do this right, that's right yeah um Or maybe it's people who just love fucking with analytics a ton or whatever. So, like, just – I don't think there's anybody else I could get on here who could really break down what these – play, like, what these ACC guys are seeing and, you know, how their body language is being received and different types of schemes they're used in. Because most of us by this point in the cycle have watched only one or two games – yeah. Like, like a thorough watch, not a chilling on happy like a happy hour watch, like I like to call <laughs> yeah. it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So it, uh, every time you get on here to talk about ACC guys, I always get excited. So just yeah, yeah appreciate just you having some me appreciation, on. Appreciation, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. It was a fun conversation.
1: Cool. Well, one more time. Uh, even though we have the uh, the at right here for the Spotify listeners, you want to tell people where <laughs> they can find you? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. At uh, B guys. Uh, underscore bird at B G E I S underscore bird on Twitter. Lots of Hornets talk, draft talk, ACC basketball talk. Um, and uh, yeah, writing at streaking the lawn SB nation 24 seven sports, and then co-hosting uh, the buzz beat podcast, which you can find on every podcast app um, covering the Charlotte Hornets. And we're going to be doing a lot of draft stuff uh the next couple of months here for that as well
1: oh yeah with that lamello injury i know it's time to shift gears
0: it's been time to shift gears, but yes that was the nail uh that was the truly the nail in the coffin for the season here all right dude
1: thank you again listeners thank you for tuning in uh you know where you can find me at underscore presidente on the strict land go check out our draft stuff we got some some More articles coming. Go check out Jeff Strickland, Pod Strickland. We got clothes. Go check out our merch. We got all types of shit. (laughs) Go on there. Uh, Enjoy yourself. Come find me on Twitter. And on that note, uh, have a good evening, everybody. Enjoy yourselves and get ready for some March Madness.